0: Those at a particular time and place to carry out a specific task. And to begin with this morning, let me me remind you of this term in Scripture, this term standing in the gap. It's found in Ezekiel 22, verse 30. The background is that Israel had gone its own way, turned its back on the Lord and done terrible, sinful acts. And we read about this in Ezekiel 22. We read that God is to bring his judgment on his people. However, he's looking for someone to stand in the gap. Let me read to you from Ezekiel 22, 29 and 30. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When the Lord has not spoken, the people of the land practice extortion, threats and commit robbery. They oppress the poor and needy and ill-treat the alien denying them justice, I looked for a man who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found none. I found no one who would intercede. And as I read, um, Ezekiel 22, this last, week or two, I was quite sad because I realised and felt and saw some similarities with regard to the state of our nation today. As As we've been reminded of this morning, our God is a holy and a righteous God. And because of our sinfulness, there's been a massive gap. But that gap has been bridged through the life and the death of our Lord Jesus. He stood in that gap for a broken, sinful world. (laughs) God continues to call his people today to stand in the gap. This can be very much an individual call and it can be a call to the people of God to stand corporately together those who are placed in the body of Christ. And as we turn to God's word this morning we're concentrating on a guy Who initially heard the call of God but wasn't for standing in the gap. And that guy was Jonah. And if you've got your Bibles, or I know many of you um, have got your Bibles on your phones, just turn with me to Jonah 1. I'm only going to read three verses, but I think it's so right that we do read these verses. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fur, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to run from the Lord. God clearly spoke to the prophet Jonah. Look at verse 2 for a moment. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. How does Jonah respond to the call of God on his life? The task that God has given him. How does he respond and stand in the gap? Well, first and foremost, he doesn't. He doesn't. He does a runner. He goes in the opposite direction. Have a look at verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. If you look on an Old Testament map, you see that Nineveh is to the northeast and Tarshish was, was to the west. So what did Jonah do? He heard the call of God and he ran in the opposite direction. To what God had said to him. And I want to say quite clearly this morning, that is never ever a good idea. Because it gets us in an absolute mess, it really does. Sin brings us down. It might be attractive for a season, We might be attracted by it for a season however it does bring us down we can try and cover it up we can seek excuses and try and reason it out why it's okay we can try in our own minds to convince ourselves however when we go our own way instead of God's way, it's never a good way to go. And I can say that from experience, there's been times in my life when I've wanted to go my way instead of God's. Let's consider some background here for a moment. Nineveh is the capital of, or was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were a very powerful and brutal nation. They had one goal. And that one goal was to conquer, to take territory, to increase power. And from all accounts, Nineveh was a very nasty place to be. At this stage, they'd already extended their kingdom from what is now modern day Iraq to the northern borders of Israel. And Jonah had witnessed their brutality. And so the last thing he wanted or would have wanted was for this people to be given an opportunity to hear God's word, to repent and to embrace the grace and the mercy of God. Jonah wanted them punished because the way his people had been treated. He wanted revenge. He wanted their blood. Clearly though, It was direct disobedience on Jonah's part. And what does he do? As I said earlier, he does a runner. And this is something that we can all try to do in our lives when we're not in that right place in God. But you know, on our part, I've got to say, it is futile. Because if we're the lords, we're the lords. And I think, I just, that wasn't in my notes at all, but I think somebody needs to hear that this morning. That if you're the lords, you're the lords. Okay, let's move on. It is futile on our part, for our God is omniscient. He's all-wise, he's all-knowing, is everywhere nothing is hidden before the lord you know we can hide things from one another and we're all good at it to a greater or lesser degree but we cannot hide anything from the lord he's infinite wisdom david had it so right didn't he in psalm 139 when he said (laughs) Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. And there are times when we seek to run from the Lord, when we seek to blank him out. But you know what? There is no hiding place from him. We may run, but he's a far better runner than you and I. We cannot outrun God. Again, the words of David in Psalm 139, verse 7 Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Well, Jonah disobeyed God, he did a runner. And I'm sure we can all recall that it was all downhill for him. Let's just have a look at that. He goes down to Joppa and he sails for Tarshish. And there's a great storm. And we're told in verse 4 that it's the Lord who sends the storm. Now this is an incredible contrast to what the Lord Jesus did in the, in the Gospels. Because as you read the Gospels, you see that the Lord Jesus so often calmed the storm. But in this case, the Lord God sends the storm. And it was incre- incredibly violent on that ship. Have you ever been on a ship when it's violent? It, it's not a nice experience at all. It's lovely as you're cruising along but when you're on that ship and it's violent, it's not very, very good at all. And it was incredibly violent on this ship and the ship threatens to break up. The experienced sailors were absolutely terrified. They'd be holding on for their very dear lives, I'm sure. But where is Jonah? Jonah. Well, he's oblivious to all that's going on. He's down in the decks, asleep. And after waking him, the sailors rightly start to question Jonah. At this point, he comes clean and confesses that he's a Hebrew who worships the Lord. Realising it was all his doing, Jonah says to the sailors, pick me up and throw me into the sea and all will be calm. That's in verse 12. But you know, these Gentile sailors were, you know, they were so commendable when you think about it. They were so kind towards Jonah Surely, this was nothing more than the hand of God on their lives. In the first instance, they row back or seek to row back to the land. And this caused them great stress because the storm got stronger and stronger. And in their distress, what did they do? They cried out to the Lord. They cried out to the Lord. And eventually, they did as Jonah asked. They threw him into the sea. And you know what? As Jonah was thrown into the sea, what happened? There was a great calm. There was a massive calm. And at this point, the sailors feared God and made their sacrifices and vows to God they actually turned to the Lord at this point Jonah was in the sea fighting for his own life just have a look at the last verse in chapter 1 verse 17 but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was inside the, the fish three days and three nights. Our great mighty God performs here a massive miracle. And this is, you know, quoted by the Lord Jesus in Matthew 12, relating to his own death and glorious resurrection. And this is what Jesus says about this instance. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. (coughs) Jonah was too precious to the Lord to allow him to sink and to drown in the depths of the sea. And I believe that as Jonah was inside the the belly of the great fish, God dealt with Jonah. Just have a look at what Jonah actually says as he cried out to the Lord. In chapter 2, verse 2, In my distress, I called out to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. And he listened to my cry. And I I just have this sense that there are those here this morning who are crying out to God in in that place of distress. They're crying out to God. And I believe that God will meet you as you cry out to him. I believe that. Right, okay, let's just move on. Because there's two questions that I want to ask. The first one is this, what does this incident teach us about God? First and foremost, what does this incident teach us about God? First, and it's pretty obvious, God saved Jonah from drowning. He wonderfully intervened and he saved his life. Secondly, God dealt with him in the belly of the great fish. There was obviously some art issues that needed addressing in Jonah's life. And in Jonah 2.7, this is what Jonah says. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. My prayer rose to you. Thirdly, and I love this one, God gives Jonah a second chance. In verse three, in chapter 3, in verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I gave you. I am so grateful this morning, I don't know about you, But I am so grateful that our God gives you and I a second chance. So, so grateful. I'm so grateful that when we sin and when we mess up, and we all do it, when we come in repentance, in genuine repentance, he forgives us, he heals us, he restores us. I'm so grateful. He doesn't walk away from us. That is not the heart of our God. He doesn't walk away from us. He's our father. And you and I are his sons and his daughters. And you know what? He's not just our father. He's a good, good father. He really is. His heart is for all to repent and believe in Jesus. His heart is for all to enter into that eternal life that he promised in Jesus. His heart is that no one perishes, And goes to hell. His heart is that all come to his son and believe in Jesus. That is the heart of God. Fourthly, our God is a God of grace and mercy. This time Jonah goes to to Nineveh, he obeys. He fulfills God's call on his life. He stands in the gap. Wonderfully, the people of Nineveh took heed and repented. Even the king of Nineveh repented and put on sackcloth and ashes. The people of Nineveh were saved from destruction. He is a God of grace and mercy. He doesn't tolerate sin and injustice. He is a holy and a righteous God. He doesn't treat sin lightly. And if you don't believe that, I suggest you look to the cross this morning for a moment. Because it was there on the cross that Jesus, his precious, dear son, died in our place, died for you and I. It was there at the cross, the price was paid. Our salvation, your salvation this morning, comes with an enormous cost. Make no mistake about that. God's grace towards you and I is so freely given however there is no such thing as cheap grace there is no such thing as cheap grace Jesus our saviour stood in the gap for you and I and he bridged that gap on Calvary's cross that you and I might be Forgiven, that you and I might be restored, that we might be cleansed, that we might have eternal life, that we might know the redemption that he has bought for us. Okay, let's move on. We've looked at what this passage teaches us about God. As we draw to a conclusion, I want us to look at what this passage teaches us about Jonah. First of all, Jonah went his own way in that very first instance. He didn't do what the Lord asked of him. And it caused a lot of pain in his own life and for others. It's important, you know, that you and I walk in obedience that we follow what the Lord is saying to us. When I first became a Christian, we used to sing a song, and it was this. For me to live is Christ, and to die his gain. To hold his hand, and walk is narrow way. And it went on to say, there is no peace, no joy, no thrill, like walking in his will. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain Mary the mother of Jesus at the wedding of Cana said to his disciples do whatever he asks of you do whatever he asks of you secondly Jonah had been shown so much grace and mercy at the hand of God however He was so poor at showing grace and mercy towards these Ninevites who had repented before God. In fact, if you look at chapter 4, he was angry because God had shown them grace and mercy as they'd come to that place of repentance. And this is what he said. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take my life away. It is better for me to die than to live. And the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Unlike Jonah, Let's be a people who have received grace and mercy. Let's be a people who show in our lives and by our actions his grace and his mercy. Let's be those people. Let's really be those people. May we be those who show God's grace and mercy, overcoming our own reluctance, prejudice, and narrow-mindedness. One prayer that I so often find myself praying is this. Lord, keep my heart soft. Keep it pliable. I don't want to be hard-hearted. I don't want to be cynical. And you know what? We can all get hurt. We can all be hurt by one another. But we've got to get over it. We really have. As we have been forgiven, we've got to forgive. There's no other way for us as Christians. And I just don't want to become hard-hearted and cynical. I want to be keeping my heart soft before God. Open to others and open to the leading of the Holy Spirit. In the first instance, Jonah did a runner. He didn't stand in the gap. What is the Lord asking of us this morning? There are so many areas of need in this world. It's knowing what the Lord is asking of you. Individually and us together as a corporate body. Last Sunday you may recall Jessica shared with us three areas. That as a church we're looking to stand in the gap. And they are in our families and in the families of those around us. Our community and in the overseas work. In practical terms. How can we stand in the gap? Well, first of all, we can stand in the gap in our prayers. God wanted, uh, as as you read in uh, Ezekiel 22, God wanted someone to stand in the gap, to intercede, to pray into the situation. And James 4.16 tells us the prayer of a righteous man And a righteous woman is powerful and effective. Secondly, there's times when God will be asking us to stand in the gap financially with our finance. We may be being asked to stand in the gap for those who are going through a difficult time. To stand with them in support showing our love and our concern for them. It might be one of our neighbours that we need to stand in the gap for. It might be some work overseas that we're asked to stand in the gap for. In it all, let's be open, obedient, and ready to be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, walking in obedience. As I conclude this morning, I just want to share with you a verse that has meant so much to me over the years. It's a verse of instruction and a verse of encouragement. And it's found in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, stand firm, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully in the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Keep pressing in, folks. Keep moving on. Keep doing what he asks of you individually and us together in the body of Christ locally here at King's. Let's pray. Lord, we truly want to be those who hear your voice and follow. Those who do just what you're asking of us. Who go where you are calling us standing in that gap Lord you've shown us so much grace and mercy Lord in our daily lives may we be those folk who show grace and mercy to others just as we have received that grace and mercy at your hand